we have an over-reliance on this idea of freedom and freedom of media, freedom of choice, free speech. There's no government in this world that would, would wisely allow its, its citizens complete access to everything and to say anything that would be dangerous for the running of the, exactly. of the country, to be honest. But I think people's assumption that because there are pretty rigid and unapologetic government restrictions, that that's somehow restrictive, and it's not. I actually believe, and I say this without pause, that China is about 15 times <laughs> more advanced mm-hmm. in the usefulness of social media than the United States. Welcome to the Geopats podcast, an audio experience to scratch your cultural curiosity itch with many different kinds of expat lens themed shows. Basically, we talk to expats about different niche aspects of their daily life in different countries. This episode is part of the Virtual Expats Show, where we discuss how moving to different countries affects what we do online as expats and geopats. Our other shows so far have included topics like books and languages. In this episode, I am pleased to welcome Katora Kendrick. Who is Katora? Katora is an intelligent, articulate, and delightful person to talk to. I met her at a podcast creators meeting and knew within a few seconds that I'd have to talk her into coming on the show to meet y'all. Her honesty on her online activities pre and post moving to China is really interesting. Katora is now back in New York City. You'll hear in the interview where she talks about leaving China in a few days after the interview. So thank you again, Katora, for doing this while you were packing. <laughs> um, she's also on her book tour for the book we'll talk about in the interview as well. No thanks. And she's also suffering through, I'm sure, the adjustments of not having WeChat and Alipay and Erloa and all the other apps we'll talk about too and the other mobile app conveniences of China that she so aptly describes in this conversation. We wish her all of the happiness she can handle on and offline. A few quick notes before we start. A special thank you to Damon Castillo for the music. You'll hear the instrumental version of Sometime Guy from the Mess of Me album throughout the episode and then you'll hear the full lyriced out song at the end. The Geopets podcast newsletter comes out every Tuesday and the new episode the new issue is out now, so go to stephfuccio.com to get that and also get on the mailing list to get it every week in your email inbox. If listening to podcasts makes you think about making your own, I can help you. You can get a free month of Podbean hosting service by using this promo code, podbean.com forward slash virtual expats. Don't forget the S. If you're an expat, I'm also doing some beginning expat podcasting workshops online. Go to stefffuccio.com for more information. If you don't want to record your voice but need a voice, you can buy mine. <laughs> I'm doing some voiceover work at voices.com forward slash actors forward slash stefffuccio. What I'm not charging for are the promo spots in these episodes. These are offered to content creators and people who have announcements about information, content, and whatnot that is related to what we're talking about in these episodes. If you have any comments or questions while you're listening to this episode, please do feel free to reach out to me. My handle is Steph Fuccio, S-T-E-P-H-F-U-C-C-I-O, literally everywhere online. That is my handle. Let's get to Katora and her fascinating online story. I'm so excited to talk to you. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm excited to I'm excited that you're excited and I'm happy to be on your show. I appreciate the offer. 
Hey, well, thank you so much, Ketora, for joining us on the Virtual Expats Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thanks a lot. I am so excited. This is another one of those instances where we're in the same city, but things are too busy, too hectic, and too gross outside to go to the same place. So we're doing this remotely. Exactly. In Shanghai. And Shanghai is so darn big. It's like being in two different cities anyway. So <laughs> Seriously. Have you ever been anywhere that didn't take an hour? No, I, I, cause I lived in New York City for about 14 years from moving to Shanghai. And I thought that was just, especially yeah. with public transportation, it was just always a challenge getting to see friends. Shanghai has a whole yeah. new spin in that whole entire <laughs> concept. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Well, while we're talking about places, can you give our listeners a brief overview of where you have lived in the world? Wow. Sure. Well, I was born and raised in New Orleans, the beautiful, the most wonderful, coolest city in the United States of America. So I, my first residence was Louisiana um, because that is where I spent the first 26 years of my life. Then I moved to New York City, which I often refer to as the love of my life. (laughs) Yes, Mm -hmm. I truly, truly adore New York City. I lived there for about 14 years, um, then got wanderlust got the best of me. And I left Mm -hmm. New York City and the U.S. and moved to Rwanda in East Africa. Um, lived in Rwanda for about two years and within those two years, just got my travel in <laughs> and visited about 13 African nations while I lived in Rwanda. And then after my two year tenure in Rwanda ended, I came here to the high to Shanghai, China. And I've been here about for, yeah, three years. So that's, yeah, that's, okay. that's it. <laughs> How did you end up going from Rwanda to China? Great question. People ask it a lot because, as you can imagine, there are two very different regions of the world. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I think um, I I was always intrigued with for reasons that I can't really make tangible, but I've always been intrigued with Africa and Southeast Asia. Um, when I decided to leave the states, it was kind of my vague plan to spend four years on the continent of Africa so I I get to see as many countries as I wanted to and then four years somewhere in Asia Um, and I had originally thought Southeast Asia because I was intrigued by Indonesia I was intrigued by the Philippines by Malaysia Um, ended up in China because I'm I'm an an international English teacher and China's pay scale (laughs) it's quite nice yeah it was just much more (laughs) Useful for me as as an, as a grown grown woman <laughs> with a mortgage yeah. bank in the states. Um, so I came to China really because, especially Shanghai, it gave me access to um, all of the countries in Asia that I truly desired. I also wanted to visit Japan as well. I mentioned Japan, so um, ended up ended up in Shanghai because it was just a smart decision um, for my exploration of Asia. Okay, and you've been here how many years again? Three years. It's my third year. Okay. So now if that's your geographical mm, footprint, how about <laughs> your your internet footprint when you've been doing stuff online? When would you say is the first time you really started using the internet, social media, anything online for the first time on like a daily basis? Interesting. Um, You know what? And I find this question funny because I am aversive to technology. I feel like I'm like an 85-year-old woman in a 40-year-old woman's body. <laughs> I 
when when Facebook first hit the scene, at least when I first realized it was a thing, had to be a decade ago. And I really started with Facebook because it seems like that's what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. I used to keep in touch with my friends back in New Orleans, especially through email, but everybody got on Facebook. So it seemed like, oh, this is how we're going to communicate now. Cool. It's much more efficient. It's mm-hmm. quicker. You know, you get to post pictures of your hamburger and make little sort of smart alecky comments. Oh, fun, cool, share some pictures, whatever, whatever. So I started using Facebook truly not getting the social media. Like it's right there in the definition. <laughs> it was right there in the name, but I didn't get that it was media, that it was sort of like the new way of giving access to regular people to advertise or to promote or to just get news um, from any number of sources. Mm-hmm. So Somewhere around, probably within the last, hmm, I would say last two or three years, mm-hmm. I became more strategic in how I used Facebook and Twitter and Instagram um, because I started a podcast that I wanted to get out there into the ether. And I also published a book and I went with a hybrid publisher that has traditional publishing as well as self-publishing um, traits. Our aspects of it and a huge part of being an independent author is being able to, to get people to see, <laughs> to get, to be able to promote your book. And social media became really useful in that aspect. So I would say I was late to the game, but not like I was aware of all of the different social media um, stuff. I was aware of IG. I was aware of Twitter. I was aware of Facebook. And when I came to China, of course, I was very much aware of, of WeChat, but I don't think I quite got that it was a, real life thing that we should be using for any other purposes besides a way to send our pictures of our, you know, our teenager who was graduating high school to everybody at once as opposed to saying, here's an email, hopefully you open it. I didn't think, I didn't really think of it as a, as a thing (laughs) until... And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the, a huge part of the internet is about those communications between people that mm-hmm. know each other. Were you using like Facebook and, and email and, and websites and things before that moment of three or four years ago when you started to to strategically use it? Yeah, um, I, I forgot about it. I started a blog too about 10 years ago. But mm-hmm. once again, the blog itself, which was used to WordPress, WordPress was every four or five months, I'd get some burst of inspiration. I get this idea. I was like, I, I want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> and I would do a blog post and I would post it on Facebook. And, you know, it was much, just much like an open mic portrait reading in the nineties where you just write this poem and you really don't really think about what you're going to do with it until someone's like, Hey, we have an open mic. Let's come and read your poem. So I think that's sort of what. I did with my blog as well. So yeah, literally until about three years ago, two or three years ago, I didn't use it strategically at all. As a matter of fact, I remember when I left <laughs> New York City <laughs> and I was telling um, my students where I taught in New York, oh yeah, I'm not coming back to this school next year. I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm leaving and moving to Africa. Um, and they're like, oh my goodness, that's so cool. You have to add me on IG. And I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I and know like, oh. IG got so popular, but it did yeah. kind of burst onto the scene after being around for a long time. Really? Because yeah. because I, I I knew what Instagram was, and yeah. I know I had friends who had it, but I was just like, again, it, it felt like, what's the point of it? Because I already have Facebook, and that's where all my people are. Right. And they were like, add me on Instagram. And I didn't even know how to use it. They took my phone out of my hand and downloaded Instagram, Aww. and then literally added themselves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's really <laughs> sweet. You know, you're teaching well when your students want you on social media. <laughs> exactly. It was so, so sweet. And I just remember thinking, oh, okay, now what do I do with this? I didn't understand what the point of it was because I kind of felt like it was a whole other thing that I had to check and keep up with. It just felt tedious and tiresome. And I was like, well, I already did it on Facebook. But I have to now have to check this. And so when I take a picture, I have to put it on this and Facebook, but, but why? And to, and to, for years, literally for the first year or two, I posted on Instagram, like literally every three or four months. And I remember, oh yeah, that's right. The, the girls probably want to see, cause I told it in all girls school, New York city. The girls probably want to see me in Senegal. Let me put this picture up on Instagram. Right, right, right. Wow. <laughs> and so when yeah. I, when, when I started, when I finished my book and started thinking about the publicity campaign and how to get eyes on it outside of just people who knew me, mm-hmm. um, I really took Instagram and Twitter seriously. And I I learned pretty quickly, Instagram is a lot hotter and a lot more useful in some ways than Twitter and Facebook together. I have more followers on Facebook, Mm -hmm. but Instagram is a lot more useful in being able to get my my message out, to be able to connect with my audience way more so than Facebook and Twitter. I just, I just give, I've just given up on Twitter. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter's taking an unfortunate turn. And Twitter is near and dear to my heart. I think what most people think about Facebook, I think about Twitter. And so when Twitter kind of started going downhill, I was like, no, baby, no. <laughs> like, don't do it. Yeah, just, do I think if you, if, if you haven't been on the ride this whole time, trying to get engagement, trying to get new followers, trying oh, to yeah. get some, yeah. it's, it's not worth it. It's like, no. why am I doing all this work and getting no results? Yeah, Twitter's a serious investment. Instagram is so hot right now, and I don't know when that mm. happened, but it felt like a light switch. But it's so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I, I have I, I just keep my Twitter up again because it's good to have it out there, but it's not something that I, I worry about anymore because sure. I was like, this is exhausting, and it's exhausting with very little payoff. So I'm not going right. to exhaust myself. <laughs> Absolutely. And it is exhausting to use, especially when you're promoting creative projects, to put mm-hmm. a different type of, of post, which is what you're supposed to do, on different social media for the same idea. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, we're talking around your ideas. Let's 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 give them names. Can you tell our listeners about your podcast? Sure. My podcast is called Unchained, Unbothered, and it features the voices of free black women from around the world. Um, so I wanted to focus on and center the stories of women from the African diaspora, whether they are continental Africans or Caribbean or American, um, but women from the African diaspora who have decided that they are going to center themselves in their lives and they are going to make choices, even when those choices are not necessarily traditional, that are in their best interest. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it airs every two weeks. So I have a bi-weekly schedule and it's in its second season. And it's doing pretty well. I've got, I've built up quite a, um, a loyal following. Um, so yeah, that's my podcast. (laughs) And the book is No Thanks, right? Exactly. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, my, my, actually, my publisher came to that title because the title I had, she was like, it's two on the nose. Trust me. No thanks. going to get you a lot more. <laughs> what was the so, other title? The, the other title was I Choose Me. Um, because, the, yeah, the, and, and the subtitle was Reflections on Freedom because I had this whole concept of the podcast is going to be about, again, freedom, choosing with intention and, in, 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 in agency, your life and your choices and owning those. So the book was going to be like a, a compliment to that. So I was like, yeah, we have to make sure they understand it's about freedom. And she was like, they'll get that. Um, <laughs> but 
but you need so a beautiful. title that's not so on the nose. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. I mean, you've published books for 16 years, and I've published no books for no years. So <laughs> go with what they, you I think they were on something with this. That is a powerful, powerful title. So, exactly. And, and, and when we when I agreed to and I started telling people about it, especially when I started promoting, it, I was like, oh, I see what she's saying. Now, this is a lot snazzier. <laughs> and it's, it's a lot easier to remember, too. Like I choose me. I choose me is it's I get the meaning and I love the meaning and it makes my heart all warm and glowy. But no, thanks is more like a. Mm, it's got an oomph behind it. That's fair. Yeah, you yeah. Oomph. and you can you can use it. It can be a slogan. It could be a hashtag. And you may just and it's not so. So like blatant and f all y'all. It's exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. which sometimes yeah. it feels like might be more effective, but this is a nicer way of doing that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like you smile when you say no thanks. <laughs> hey there, you're listening to Civil, and I'm the host, content creator, and tutor at the Mar Civil Podcast. It's a weekly podcast for Blacks and Asians and those who love them. It's also a platform about culture against the backdrop of important issues such as acculturation, preserving cultural values, hard stories, mental health issues, and so much more. I describe myself as Nigerian-born, U.S. educated, Korean-speaking, and wandering intellectual. My unique perspective is derived from my experience growing up in Nigeria to now living in the U.S., learning Korean, and enriched by the adventures my travels have brought up. You can check out the podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you love stories related to cultural experiences, listen to the show. Plus, you'll get the opportunity to get to know me along the way. And that's pretty, pretty good. So let's let's get back online. Because you've done two okay. big jumps. One jump over to Africa and the other jump over to China. So when you were in Rwanda and traveling around those 13 nations, were you online in any way? Not just promoting things, but just being you online to keep in touch, find information, anything. Were you doing anything online? I was not. I literally, like, when I, I had someone approach me, a, a traveling, like a group travel company mm-hmm. who wanted to feature me um, in, in this campaign they were doing to encourage more women to travel solo, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, look, I need six pictures of you at landmarks or whatever around the world. The only rule is that they can only be you. If you took pictures with groups, that's fine, but it wants, I want you in a picture. Mm-hmm. And I went through all of the photos I had posted on Facebook, the ones on IG, the ones I still had on my phone, because by mm-hmm. that time I had switched phones or whatever. And I realized that there were very few photos of me. Mm-hmm. Most of them were photos of something like the monuments mm-hmm. or some landmark or some food, because I realized this is really for my friends. They seem very excited about this adventure I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And I had to remind myself, oh, yeah, they told me to post a bunch of pictures about about being in Senegal. Let me post these pictures. Right. So I literally was only on online and using the Internet when I was sort of posting photos to share with friends. Right. I mean, I would also make posts on Facebook talking about my experience. Right. But it wasn't something I think I realized that I my 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 goal with the traveling was not what some people come to. They want to be like travel bloggers mm-hmm. and they want to be in Yeah. Um, Uh, I realized that wasn't that. Yeah, that wasn't for me. Like it was only because I knew my friends and family were intrigued with the places I was going and I wanted to share it with them. And for people who thought I would be kidnapped or trafficked, like, you know, I was still alive. Oh, like I'm yeah. posting now. I'm still alive. Calm down. Right, 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 right. 
But that that was its only its only purpose. Yeah, yeah. When you were blogging, was that when you were back in New York? Yeah, I started my blog when I was in New York City and, and um became more what do you call it? More consistent with it once I, I moved abroad. But yeah, I started about ten years ago and I was still in New York. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's fast forward to Shanghai. <laughs> when, you, when you moved to China, what did you find yourself doing online and was it different than what you were doing when you were in New York? Well, I find that particularly moving to China, realizing how very much insulating a specific technology, some technology was to China, like discovering WeChat mm-hmm. and Alipay. Alipay, I still exclusively only use to pay, to mm-hmm. pay for stuff, right? I don't know what I'm going to do with cash. When and, it, when, when and if I, I leave China, I have no idea what I'm going to do. It's so awkward. It's so you'll have to find your wallet. Your wallet, and they give you these little coins, and then you have loose. Mm-hmm. You have to, and they get stuff up, and you stuff. If they stuff up your wallet, it's, just, it's really a pain in the butt. <laughs> so I use Alipay still mostly just for transactions. But discovering the world of WeChat and how all encompassing and how useful and practical it is for more than just you know I think sort of superficial posting of memes or, or funny, silly stuff. Now, that's, that's, that, that's, that's that part of it that I think is fun and not necessarily a bad thing. But I think I, I became sold on the usefulness of technology and these internet apps and, and, and stuff like that when I came to Shanghai because WeChat is a platform that truly makes so much sense and I can see, oh, this is why there are so many people who are, who like, who are into tech and, and IT who are like these IT nerds and who are just like, oh my gosh, we're in the world because it truly is very useful. So mm-hmm. I started to see the, the, the beauty in apps being able to control you, to be able to help your life in so many ways, language apps, um, transportation apps, mm-hmm. um, just that it became much more useful to me. And now I don't use these um, these resources grudgingly. I'm like, I'm so glad we have all of these things. <laughs> if I if I lost my phone, mm-hmm. it, it would be a tragedy. Oh, yeah. Not just being hyperbolic, like I wouldn't be able to function, especially as a woman in a foreign country. Yeah. It, it's detrimental to my safety not to have use of, of my phone. Um, so I think I became much more conscious of it, strategic with it and intentional with it. Mm-hmm. Once I came to Shanghai, which again is, is a conjunction with also at this point had started writing a book and then it was published and I needed to use it. It was out of necessity too. Um, but I think even before that process started, I, I became sold on the usefulness of, of internet and social media because of China and WeChat. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wait a minute. Back up. Are you saying that moving to China turned you more into uh, an online person? That's no, not. A oh, word. most definitely. Most really? definitely. Okay. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. See, I wanted people to hear that because a lot of people think when you go behind the firewall, everything shuts down, but we really do have parallel mm-hmm. apps for everything here. No. And I also think People, well, first of all, particularly Americans, mm-hmm. we we have an over-reliance on this idea of freedom and freedom of media, freedom of choice, free speech, which doesn't necessarily exist in America. They, they have more of it, say, in, in in China, but that doesn't exist. There's no government in this world that would, would wisely allow its, its citizens complete access to everything and to say anything that would be dangerous for the running of the, exactly. of the country, to be honest. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people's assumption that because there are pretty rigid and unapologetic government restrictions, that that's somehow restrictive. And it's not like, obviously, if my VPN isn't working, I can't get Netflix or I can't get the New York Times for some reason. It's a pain in the butt and it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. But I actually believe, and I say this without pause, that China is about 15 times <laughs> more advanced mm-hmm. in the usefulness of social media than the United States. Sure. Um, again, like I said, when I go back to the U.S., being ha- being able having to remember to pull out my debit card like for what like I don't, I don't even know what my debit card is because I just pull out my phone when it's time to pay <laughs> when I go to a group dinner I don't have to we don't have to worry about getting out the calculating do these calculate these complicated mathematical equations inside we really there's an, there's something on a WeChat app mm-hmm. to divide the bill up split pay and I love that thing exactly. so much when I discovered yeah. split pay it was like a whole new world. I never used Uber much in the U.S. How do you even pay for Uber? Do you have to break? I, I, assume, I assume it. I didn't use Uber very much either mm-hmm. um, because, again, I was in New York City and I was a, I was a subway girl. Subway is a city's Uber. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure how it works, but I assume it works like Didi. But again, Didi is one of those things that as a foreign woman alone in, mm-hmm. in, in, in a country where you don't speak much of a language, mm-hmm. it is truly invaluable. It's yeah. truly invaluable to forgetting you from point A to point B. It's and I also... Yeah, before I can get Didi on my phone, because when I the phone I had when I first came here, it didn't like being in China. It was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna download no app. You can press this a thousand times. I'm not, I'm not gonna download on it. <laughs> can I tell you, it's a not so secret. My the phone that I brought with me from the U.S. Uh, it um it didn't work because the system the internet in China was too far ahead of what I was using with really? my Sprint phone. Yeah, so I could only use it. For- for text messages because it couldn't handle the 4G that they had here. I'm not, maybe that was what was wrong with my phone too because when it came here, I was just like, it would not download Didi. It would always get up to a certain point yeah. and then it would stop. So I, because of that, I didn't have Didi, but I had one of one of the many um, men who work who works as drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my coworkers said, "Oh, I know, I have this guy who's like my driver, mm-hmm. and he used to have a fleet of cars for Disney, so he now his own business." So the, he was my Didi. I was in my WeChat awesome. thing. Oh, I'm right here, Mr. Frank. Can you send somebody to come get me? He's like, all right, twenty minutes. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh my God, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. That could, and that could have not been done without WeChat because um, as you know, WeChat has a translation um, yes. feature where if you type up in English what you want to say, the person can then press it and get it translated into yep. Chinese. Yep, It's not perfect, obviously. You're not going to get an A star in, in, in language class. <laughs> <laughs> or one thing I learned how to do you. also is that you can preset uh messages for your drivers and have them ready in there like i have one preset with my address in chinese yeah so i actually got like a local friend to write something to the because i can read a little bit of chinese but i can't hear it fast enough to understand it so i had them actually write out something in chinese that says in hansa characters uh i can't speak chinese but i can read it if you need to contact me please write here in chinese so as soon as i order one and they accept i send them that message and most of the time they don't try to call me what? Oh, I wish I had that so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, that it, made so many awkward conversations. Not awkward, oh, yeah. just like <laughs> oh yeah. It took me a year and a half to think that, and I was like, oh, I could have done this before I learned to read. I could have because you can translate within <laughs> exactly. that clue. So I was like, why didn't I think of this? But yeah, there's exactly. so many things in WeChat. How do you describe WeChat to people who don't live here? 
I, 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 oh, I just described it the other day to somebody. I say it is an all-encompassing app that is like a gift from baby Jesus. <laughs> that is what I say. And I let them try to figure out what all of that means on yeah. their own. Like, yeah. I, I basically say all of these disparate apps, like you have your IG to post your pictures and the floss on the gram. Look at me. I'm on the beach in Bali. You have Facebook to send around mm-hmm. all of your think pieces and your articles and also have these discussions with your friends and joke. You have um, Twitter for similar things, but the, the platform is limiting. You just really can send only these quick little characters. You can't do as much with it. Mm-hmm. And you and some of us use like Cash App or Apple. Does App, is Apple Pay still a thing? I feel like I heard it for a quick minute and then it went away. it exists, but I don't know. Yeah, but most people don't. I don't, I don't hear people referring to it and using it as much. I think it's more like Cash App and Venmo, PayPal for the old people. <laughs> oh, PayPal, bless. Yes, PayPal is still plugging along. Bless is hard. It is still plugging along. Oh, my gosh. So you have, when we you have were, all of that. Go when, ahead. When, sorry. When we were in San Francisco, let's see, one, two, three, four, four years ago now, uh, my husband was working very temporarily at Trader Joe's, Mm-hmm. And we were still taking checks, paper checks. Are you kidding me? No, what? I I left well, so what hard in the world. Yeah, I was like, "You're kidding!" And do people like they accept them, but nobody actually came with them. And he's like, "No, like every maybe like every seven or eight customers, not that common, but they had them. They had paper." But checks. the fact that they still even had seven or eight customers come with them, do they still make checks? Does yeah, the bank still print out checks? <laughs> I want, I'm curious now. If I sent my bank a message asking for checks, would, would, would they laugh at me? I don't I even do. know how to do that. I don't think <laughs> they do. I don't think they do. I, I, I think, I mean, I think they do have them. I don't think they would laugh at you because people are still using them at least four years ago. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah. So, and I think we, and I tell them that WeChat is basically all of that in one app and you never have to leave the app to do all of those things. Right. right. I think it does have some components that aren't as, that aren't as, 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 as what do you call it, intuitive as the different mm-hmm. features of the different apps using the States. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily find WeChat a very useful place to have quote unquote discussions about stuff. Although some of the groups I'm in, they try to discuss stuff. I'm like, just the way this whole thing is set up is annoying and it's doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> They're sending a bunch of emails back and forth in this in this platform and discuss anything deep uh, of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but but even though some aspects of it aren't as intuitive to me or as useful to me as as the as the different apps that exist in the states, the fact that it all exists in one place right. is brilliant. Yeah. And again, useful. It's it's useful and not just this thing that it exists because in the twenty first century we can make anything exist. It's useful. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so it sounds like you're using both quote-unquote Western apps and websites and the the local apps and, well, we, we mostly have been talking about WeChat. Are you using other apps and websites in, that are Chinese-specific? The most I use, I use WeChat, and then the second most is LMA, the food order app. <laughs> it's gotten me, so I, I had to pull back. It has gotten me in so much trouble, LMA. <laughs> um, and DD. I, oh, actually, I also use like the Metro app, the Shanghai Explore Shanghai. I use some of the apps to figure out where to go and to do things to do like Smart Shanghai yeah. and stuff like 
that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're using the Western apps and the Chinese apps. And, and it, yeah. I think that's something that's super hard to convey to people is that we're kind of maneuvering between the two kind of the two internets. I've heard it called the splinternet yeah. recently, which I thought was brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. Splinternet. Slightly negative. And I don't think it's negative necessarily, but it does, disp- it does talk about the. It's not a set up this idea of disparity that doesn't necessarily have to exist. Yeah. Yeah. So where do you do most of your social media stuff? Is it on the Western side of the internet? <laughs> it is on the Western side of the internet. A lot of the the Chinese apps I use are just for my day-to-day sure. being able to navigate life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but most of my audience exists still in America and in the West. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of the heavy promotional stuff, or even staying in contact and in communication with um, friends and family happens through Western apps mm-hmm. and Chinese apps are really just so I can navigate China. So to my day-to-day being my day-to-day life in China. Yeah. I, I completely and utterly do the same exact thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would like to be on Chinese social media, but the language is, it's like hard enough to learn the language and then you've got to learn the slang and then it's constantly changing yeah. to for various reasons and yeah exactly and I, I just think i think i think the reality is unless you truly are committed to long term and i would say so long term that you have partnered with a, a local person and you have to learn the language you have yeah. to sort of completely enmesh yourself because your husband or wife is chinese exactly. it's going to be in my humble opinion almost impossible to get caught up on the skill set the language skill set the cultural skill set yeah. uh, and all of the all of this un, the unwritten unsaid stuff that goes into both of those mm-hmm. things is going to be almost impossible to really get caught up on that as as mm-hmm. as a foreigner no matter how immersed you are in your work life or in your social life with with Absolutely. local culture it's a lot to have to play catch up on the oh, language yeah. alone please <laughs> oh it's deep the language is deep yeah that's for sure so Okay, so you've got the podcast, you've got the book. You were talking about strategically using social media, but I'm still not buying it, Katara. It still sounds like you're building more of a community than you're just marketing your products. So am I? Am I... <laughs> yeah, I think you're honest in there, and I, and I think part of it is, and it's funny that you you caught that that sort of slight shade I still have to <laughs> Social media, because I am building more of a community. Because I think one of the things with the with the saturation of so much social media that consumers want um, is this sense that they're not being thought of as consumers. They want to be a part of a, 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 of a group that has similar mindsets and similar values. So yeah, I would say, um, even though I haven't met people who I've who, who start following me on social media, who consume my products. It is this sense of, I have the same value system as you. You're saying things that I think others need to hear and that I believe and I need to hear. So I want to be a part of the community. And sometimes that does end up being genuine friendships. Although I haven't really met these people in person. I think at this point, I don't even, I can't, I don't even say that anymore. I haven't rather met her in real life. I think I've been able to sort of, blur the line between if I haven't met this person in real life, then we're not really friends. I, I think I'm at a point Ooh, now yeah. where it's, it seems sometimes just as authentic, sometimes even more that if when I finally see that person in, in uh, when I finally see that person in real life, I'm not thinking, Oh, now we have met. I'm like, Oh, okay. We've been met. 
Right, right. I jokingly say you meet you sometimes because it's it's like an online electronic meet, but it does feel very real sometimes. Exactly. And and, and sometimes in some ways, even more authentic um, mm-hmm. than if you found like you met them at some cocktail party and you had small talk and yeah. your friend was like, oh, here's my friend. You're like, oh, yeah. And, and then a few weeks later, someone says, oh, you remember when you met so and so? And you're kind of like, yeah, I kind of met her, but I don't know if that counts. As- <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say that because a lot of people do complain that the internet does get us into our silos and we only talk to people that are similar to us and have same ideas. But on some level that I think that kind of speeds up the friendships into these connections that we're talking about. Anyway, so I don't, I don't know that it's a completely a bad thing that we have strong interest areas online, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think? Are we too interest, too interest heavy on the internet? Well, to be honest, I am the ripe old age of 44. And here is one thing I can say is absolutely true about being on the other side of 40. Hmm. You don't have time or interest in new people. You're not trying to, (laughs) you're no longer trying to figure out who you really are and what you really believe. You didn't got all that figured out. So I really don't believe that in the absence of the internet and the social media ability to truly cocoon yourself with a bunch of progressive liberals, if you would be going out to Trump rallies, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Or even something not so extreme. I mean, I, I, I do think the older you get and the more you become solid and firm in who you are and, and, and to, to be completely real, the friendships you have made, you're not trying to start with new people and new ideas. Look, I need to be in bed at midnight. When people invite me out to stuff and there's new people, I'm like, cool, but I have a lot of questions before I go <laughs> about who's going to be there, what's going to happen, because it may not be worth the extra energy it takes to go to this thing. Yeah. So I don't necessarily know if if people understand how humans work. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is, a, there is a greater danger with social media and technology to truly be isolated and to be a hermit and to not have real authentic connections. But I do think also the reality is at a certain point in, in, in your adulthood, you, you, you're no longer wet cement. You are concrete at this point. Oh, that is so cool. Thank you for saying that. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, like I, I tell people all the time, I don't think living abroad and traveling has transformed me. It really has just made me own more of who I am. And it's made me sort of become even a much full, a, a fuller version of myself. I don't, I didn't come abroad and start to think, oh, maybe I really want to go back to church and maybe conservatism really is the answer. Like, no, I'm like, oh, I'm a feminist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very clear that this is this is misogyny. This is white supremacy, and it all sucks. And I don't want to talk about the other side. I'm clear on that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's abundantly clear. Do you think that moving abroad kind of cleared away the noise that made it harder to identify those things for you? Hmm. That's a good question. I think probably because. I think Western media and the West itself, there's just, especially with the current administration, there's just so much tension and so much, I don't want to trivialize what's happening because I think Americans should be frightened. Um, We're in a very important precipice in our nation's evolution, Mm -hmm. but there seems to be so much tension and hysteria about every single thing 
that happens. Nothing is too trivial to require a headline with 10 exclamation points in a constant retelling or reshaping of the story by different entities for whatever purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can make what, what's really important unclear and you can end up focusing on every single thing and thinking every single thing is another step to the sky falling when the two or three things that are, you're not really paying attention. Right. Right. It's all, it could be a distraction. It could be accidental. I'm not sure, but I, I agree. It seems to be a bit overblown. Like everything seems to be a bit. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the nation has been around for a couple hundred years. It's still very young. Mm -hmm. And again, we have seen these dark times before. They've actually been darker, depending on who you ask. Um, And like not every single thing is worthy of hysteria. Can we just focus on the two or three things that are? Because the two or three things that are are pretty friggin' frightening. And let's focus on those. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and stop making everything so hyperbolically death and gloom and destruction. Yep. I could not agree with you more, but let's, let's do, let's do a uh, comparison of what, what you did online before you left New York and what you're doing online in China, what you have been doing online in China. I know there was a shift in using Instagram, but in general, if you had to summarize your biggest change in internetness, and if it's not a word, it should be. (laughs) I like it. How would you define that? I make up words all the time. <laughs> That's what language is for, man. That is what language is right? for. That's your yes. Shakespearean of you. You're Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare Yes. Or something else. But yeah. So what would you say was the biggest change in your internet usage online? Hmm. Hmm. I'm not sure if this is what you're looking for, if it is even on topic. I have found that I have become much more of a of a watcher of American television shows and media Mm. since moving abroad. Like I have watched Netflix more often. I have downloaded and found these free streaming sites to have access to a lot of programming um, that it would have never occurred to me to access or bother about back in the States. I mean, I had a TV, I had cable um, and the, the mere suggestion that I download a movie or, or, or instead of getting own, go and get the app on my computer was just ridiculous. And I'm like, how do you watch something on a com- computer? That's like, I need a TV screen. That's just so, that's so weird. Um, and not really being that connected into pop culture. Um, and I feel like oddly enough, especially since coming to China and Rwanda, some of the things were harder to access um, and the internet wasn't as advanced. So just trying to get internet connection to be able to access certain streaming sites or just certain media, pop culture was a bit more um, challenging. But especially since coming to China, I feel like I can tell you every person on 90 Day Fiance, I'm, I follow <laughs> housewives, franchises, and I also do some highbrow. TV watching. I got mm-hmm. Queen Sugar. Um, I have some of those like independent movies. Like I just finished a rom-com, Always Be My Maybe mm-hmm. with Ali Wong and, and, and the, uh, the guy from Fresh Off the Boat. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like for me, when I think about what has been the biggest shift, I, again, I never would have thought that my consumption and interest in pop culture, in, in media mm-hmm. would be so intense. <laughs> and I think when I do go back to the States, 
I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden I didn't care anymore. Like if I didn't, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't really have to make sure every Sunday I caught up on all of my little Mm -hmm. ratchet reality TV as well Mm -hmm. as look at all of the new shows that people are, are, that are trending on these apps, on the, on Mm -hmm. social media. It's really just because not wanting to feel left out because people talk about them and there's all these trending things. So it's not wanting to feel left Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Um, and it's my, it's my way, too, of connecting with my friends back home who I miss dearly. I think that is more what it's about. So I won't feel like I'm, I'm left behind. That completely and utterly answers the question. Yes, of course. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and I relate completely. I When I first moved to Asia, I was in Taiwan and I found myself doing the same thing. And I didn't I used to have like one show that I would watch. And I found myself like actively seeking out a lot more shows and and looking at what was popular and checking those out and keeping up with things that I didn't keep up with when I was there because when I was there, as I'm sure happened to you before in New York and it'll happen to you again, you hear it accidentally. So you don't need to keep up with it. You don't need to look for it. Yeah. It's just, and I also think, and also think that you see your friends and you connect with people more often. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily have to feel like you have to work harder. Like it really is about, oh, everybody's talking about Pose, which is an amazing show. And I'm definitely certain I will keep keep up with that when I go back. But everyone's talking about Pose. It's a way to be able to have a conversation and to, again, not feel left behind. Right. When you're actually in the place, mm-hmm. you're at work and people start talking about it. Like, oh, okay, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can, you can ignore it, but you know it. It's happening and so you're in the know exactly you don't yeah. feel left behind yeah yeah the water cooler is too far away from where we are standing exactly, right. <laughs> exactly. All the time. there are commercials about it you're at dinner with friends and it comes up in that way your students follow certain things in the lingo and, and, and the slang from those shows comes yep. up so it's not you don't you're in it you're in it so you don't feel left out yep yeah that makes total and complete sense so i have a feeling i know the your answer to this last question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I'm a savage. Go ahead. (laughs) What would you do if we had that moment where the internet just went out for good? What? Yeah. Like everything connected to the internet that you get from the internet, including all the things on our phone that need the internet. What if that just went out? You mean in China or just the world? No, forever, everywhere. That is a frightening thought, right? I would move. I was going to say I would leave China, but I'm like, can I leave the world? Is there another one? <laughs> is there another world where the internet? I had a friend, my friend, and when she said this again, because I was still trying to um, pretend that I was above the internet, I was above um, reliance on social media in my phone. She, she made this comment and I was like, oh my goodness, you're such a millennial. She's 20, she's 24, 25. Mm-hmm. She made this comment. We were talking about something and I mentioned, oh, and you know, she didn't have, she doesn't have internet. So da, da, da. she's like, wait, what? Say that again? And I said, oh, she doesn't have internet. And my friend was like, you mean momentarily like her internet went out or she, <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't ask her that, but I know she doesn't have the internet. And my friend was like, that's a human right. That's like, can we start a GoFundMe if she can't afford it? Like, why doesn't she have? <laughs> That's a basic human right. How can she function? And um, I laughed it off. And when I think about it now, it makes perfect sense. Because again, in the year of the pig, <laughs> 2019, 
that is your way to find a job. That is your way to find resources and access to so many things. It's no longer just this luxury convenience. Like for many people across economic spectrum, the economic spectrum, access to internet is truly a basic human right that if you don't have some, even if you can't just go to the library, like a lot of libraries in the States, they stay open merely because for people who can't afford it in their homes, they go and use the internet for job searching, students use it for schoolwork. Um, so it really is at this point, it's like electricity in many ways. So I don't even want to imagine. I could do without yeah. apps. I could do without being, being able to stream my shows. It would <laughs> suck. But I just feel like that's like asking, what if we went back to coal and we... <laughs> <laughs> we, right. we to heating right. stuff with coal. Just like, no, that's that's not gonna work in 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 the twenty first century. That's insane. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what shocked me is I heard a stat lately, and it was on some business podcast. And don't ask me even why I was listening to a business podcast, but sometimes I listen for somebody's voice because I am that person. Um, <laughs> but they were saying in an optimistic, isn't it great way that fifty percent of the population on Earth has access to the internet? And all I heard. All I heard, exactly. All I heard was 50% don't. And I just exactly. kind of stopped and went, what do you mean half of the world doesn't have any access to the internet? And, and, and again, and I'm, it might sound like it's being a bit extreme and I'm being extra, but that is very similar to saying only half of the world ever has access to basic education. Like only half of the world has access to a primary school education. And I mean, water, fresh air. Exactly. And I, I do yeah, not. It feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. As recently as five years ago, I would have thought that was crazy. But I, I especially again, being a single woman in a foreign country, I, I just, it, it is, it is more important to me in some ways than my education. And I have two degrees that has been useful for me to survive and being able to not, you know, end up lost <laughs> yeah. and kidnapped or trafficked. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and so many other things too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Are you doing stories now? Cause I haven't started doing Instagram stories yet. I, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out, is that the one where, Oh, you, well, you, what, what something stays on your profile for like, a, for like 24 hours? I think so. And I then it goes away. I, yes. Cause I started doing that and I, I told myself my summer project would be to figure out IGTV, how it works so I can use that mm. more, more usefully. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have started doing stories and you it's really, it. again, let me, yeah, I want to promote this one thing. So I need to start doing it more. Yeah. yeah. So I've done it once or twice. Fun tip. LinkedIn is supposed to be starting like 10 minute videos any day now. So. LinkedIn? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, they try, they're trying to stay in business too, because I had to tell you, yeah, they, they, they're behind the, the long curve. They need to catch up. So I'm um, glad. I'll tell you what they're doing. You know what Instagram did fairly recently over the past few years. LinkedIn is also coming back with a vengeance. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's that people got finally got too freaked out over Facebook security, but all these mm-hmm. other older, we thought were dying out social medias are coming they're back. Taking advantage of it. Good. So Good for weird. them. Because there needs yeah. to be options. And I think not just options, but different, because one of the things I'm, I'm realizing, too, is different personalities, different demographics and age groups, mm-hmm. platforms appeal to them for different reasons. And exactly. I think if the platforms got really took a hold of that and, 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 and exploited it, it would be very useful for them and for the groups that they're trying to attract. Yes and yes. So I will see you online and super best luck of you. And your. When do you move back? And like, I move back. 
in two days. Oh my God. <laughs> you have no idea how thankful I am that you seriously oh, made this no. time today. Two days? No. I would be a chicken with my head cut off if I were you right now. I kind of am, but still, <laughs> I am. But I'm still able to put it together. I clean up well, you know. You do. You so do. I'm a teacher, so I can perform with the best of them. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, I really, really appreciate, in the midst of moving back to New York City, you taking the time to talk to us today about your virtual life. Yes, it was it was so fun talking to you. You're a very, very good host. Makes me feel very comfortable and cozy. You're so sweet. I'm keeping that in there. I'm not removing that. I like that. <laughs> you should, lady. You should keep all positive comments. Just keep it and do it, put it on, on constant loop. <laughs> I think I might. My husband would be like, are you playing that again? Yes, I like, am. Yes. Do you want to hear it? Wish I could hear it again? <laughs> exactly. Seriously, I wish you so much. I don't even need to wish you success and happiness because I just know that it's, it's happening. It's just you're there. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I'll I'll be keeping tabs of you on IG. Of course, because now you know it's I'm a regular now. I'm I'm a little guru. You are. You are. I'm no longer reluctant. <laughs> I'm not a reluctant IG user anymore. My students will be so proud of me. They will. So I don't think it's I don't know that it's completely Wow, somebody just threw their dinner out the window. Sorry. (laughs) That was interesting. (laughs) Well, that is definitely a commentary on whoever the chef was. Okay. (laughs) Thank you to our guest, Katora Kendrick, for sharing her virtual story with us. Katora is in the middle of her book tour right now. So, hey, go to her Instagram and check out all of the wonderful pictures of her meeting the people that have read her book or the people that enjoy her readings of the passages from the book as she's reading them during those meetings. She really is a truly inspiring person, and I'm so glad that more and more people are meeting her either in paper form through her book or in person at those book readings. For more Geopat podcast episodes, including the other shows that we have, the bookish ones, the language ones, the podcasting ones, all of the shows that we're incorporating in this beautifully messy Geopats podcast, go to geopats.podbean.com or you can just really type in Geopats into your Podbean app. We should pop up everywhere. If we don't pop up where you listen to podcasts, please email me at stephfuccio at gmail.com and I will get us in there. Thank you so much. And as promised, here is Damon Castillo and his band with the song Sometime Guy. I've been wasting all of my time Standing at the back of your line Trying not to lose my mind yeah. When all I'll ever be is your sometime guy I've been waiting for my moment I've been howling at the moon I've been living with this torment Cause there's nothing else my heart can do Well, I've been wasting all of my time 
Coming back to 